You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. I would say you want to make sure that you're investing in scalable processes way sooner than you actually need it, because you're not going to have enough time to build a foundation when when you're scaling, when you're tripling in size. Right. right. Now's the time to do it, to stay, when you're stable. Welcome to the How to Scale Commercial Real Estate Show. Whether you are an active or passive investor, we'll teach you how to scale your real estate investing business into something big. Lauren Barr is the VP of Finance at Occupier. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. The pleasure is absolutely mine. Lauren, there are three questions I ask every guest who comes on the show. In 90 seconds or less, can you tell me where did you start? Where are you now? And how did you get there? Yes, I love it. So I started at PwC. I'm an accountant by nature. I went to school for accounting. So I entered the audit practice at PwC, then transitioned into more of a consulting, technical accounting consulting, but also process consulting, helping uh, accounting teams with their month and close process, one of the most terrible processes for a lot of accounting teams. Uh, then, you know, transitioned into a startup as the head of corporate accounting there. And I'm not kidding you, my very first day at that uh, company, I met the occupier team. That was because the real estate team was like, hey, Lauren, we need to, we need to, need to, need to sign with occupier. So like, I don't even know who occupier is. What, why do we need them? Blah, blah, blah. So by lunchtime, I said, not a chance. We're not signing with Occupy. And basically, fast forward a year and a half later, Occupy team is like, hey, remember when you said absolutely not to us? Well, we'd love to have you come work for Occupy. So they had made a lot of headwinds in a year and a half. Obviously, I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe in the product and the story. More importantly, like who we're trying to uh, help along the way. But a little bit of luck and some hard work is, I guess, why I'm here at Occupy now. That's awesome. So let me get the story straight. You're working somewhere. It's your first day on the job. And they're like, hey, we need to bring this new client on board. And you said, no, I don't want to work with them. Yeah, I said, Just, not a chance. Lo- <laughs> love it, but it's not going to work out for us. Right. Because they hadn't built out certain features of the product suite yet. So basically, I sat by myself at lunch because of Occupier. <laughs> And eighteen months later, you're work you're you're working not just as a as a, a client, uh, you know, service provider slash client relationship. You now work directly with them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, you know, that was about a year and a half ago. So it's uh, it's been good. There must have been a compelling story somewhere along the way that said, "Hey, Lauren, there is that we've got a really cool product, and we're going to we're going to solve all the world's problems." And you said, "Yeah, I believe in that." What is that? So my story with this is I have firsthand experience with it that I knew as soon as I had gone through an implementation at the said company with a different provider that. Okay, I needed to go through that experience to realize the value of Occupy. And with without that, I don't think I would have been able to really emphasize as you know as big of a deal as it is. So I'm happy I went through that, but now I'm, I'm happy to help other people on the other side. So tell me, so what does Occupier do? I mean, just just give us the 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 yeah, give us the skinny on what Occupier does, what industry problem they're solving. Uh love to hear all that. 
Yeah, so we are a lease management solution. We start with site selection, helping real estate teams even select where they want to open their new offices or retail spaces, managing that whole process with legal, designers, everything that goes into opening up a new space. Then we take that information into our lease administration tool, which is going to organize all of your critical dates, rent schedules, clauses, going to be able to search through, if you wanted to search through your security deposit clauses across your entire portfolio, very Google-like functionality that makes it really, really seamless to do that. And then all of that information feeds into our lease accounting product, which helps companies maintain compliance with ASC 842 and IFRS 16, which are the new lease accounting standards. So make it extremely easy for finance teams to uh, adopt the new standard. You just said a lot of things that don't mean. I know I said a lot of things. I don't know if that's a high level view, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, it, it's funny because you say stuff like that and I go, you know what? That's not, the, that's not, no pun intended, but that's not the space I'm in. You know, I'm not in the multi-tenant, business-to-business, retail, industrial, whatever. You know, I don't have 500 tenants and go, okay, especially on on that scale. Familiar, obviously, with multifamily. Right. Like that. But it's like, okay, this this is kind of a, a, a very nuanced product. This is, I'm going to expose my ignorance here right on the podcast. But when I think about lease management, especially as it pertains to, you know, large retail strip centers or something like that, I keep going back to that as my example. I usually think, okay, there's a broker out there some way that, somewhere that handles that leasing side of thing. They're, they're, they're a leasing agent. Do you work with them? Do you work with the owner? Where, where in this mix do you get involved? Yeah, so we do work with some brokers. So some brokers will just be helping their clients just select spaces. Other brokers also have been leveraging us to perform lease administration services, where it's more of, again, managing those rent schedules. Okay, how much is owed when? We have a rent abatement period, so a free rent period for six months. Okay, when do I really have to start paying rent? And then also managing all of those clauses and rights that you have. Most importantly, too, is the renewal options. Let's say that you know you're not in love with a space and you have a renewal option on year four. If you kind of forget where that renewal option is and all of these massive heaps of lease documents, you may miss it and be forced to stay in that space. So not only is it going to be costly to stay in the space that you don't want to be in, but it's also just a strategy-wise uh, impact too. Right. So you're saying from the tenant side, you guys also kind of interface with the tenants and letting them know, hey, right. You're yep. So usually, you know, a lot of, you know, we can sometimes be an extension of a client's real estate team. If they don't have a formal real estate team, then oftentimes we could be working with the broker as well to support their uh, processes. Got it. Okay. That's really, really cool. Tell me what, when you, when you look at this product, what were the main uh, I get what you're doing, but tell me what were the main pain points that you guys said, hey, we can we can solve this in the industry? Yeah, so I think our biggest differentiator, well, I think there's two. One is that the user experience, man, if you just log on to it, it looks so fresh and so seamless, very intuitive compared to some of the other competitors on the market. And then the other thing was that we wanted to build a product that truly brings corrals everyone around one piece of software. And so 
Other competitors may only do lease administration or lease accounting, but there are so many different people involved in leases from the finance team, real estate team. You have HR, corporate, IT. There's a ton of different hands in this in this jar, right? And so having a software that everyone can truly collaborate on for a single sense of truth is, you know, kind of paramount in my mind. Right. No, that absolutely makes sense. Next question for you is this. When when you think about your or when you when someone looks at your your product, at what point in the process, at what point in their scaling process do you say, hey, that's that's what it makes sense to reach out to you or a member of your team and say, it's time to bring Occupier on. I mean, I'm thinking if it's me and let's say I own one building that has four tenants in it, I probably don't need your services, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. So I think about it more for, I think at least like around 10, 15 leases, you may want to consider leveraging software. But also if you think about your growth trajectory over the next two years, if you have a real estate team that's very active, maybe you are a a new gym, you're the new CrossFit, right? And you're planning to expand into all of these new markets. You may need software way sooner rather than later. You know, I went through this experience at one of my previous companies. We had doubled in size. We went from 25 locations to 50 locations. And within three months, which is crazy to go through that, but it really emphasized that we needed a software to help organize everything. Right. And that goes back to the, the, to the title of the show, which is how to scale. And I mean, I think that that's, right. uh, that's something I've heard, you know, from many, many people on this show, which is that, you know, you should be just as afraid of success as you should failure. It's like, cause you know, for you guys going from 25 to 50, all of a sudden it's like, Oh crud. Like, are we actually prepared for this? I've oh been- yeah. I know. Right. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say you want to make sure that you're investing in scalable processes way sooner than you actually need it because you're not going to have enough time to build a foundation when when you're scaling when you're tripling in size right right now's the time to do it to stay when you're stable <laughs> right and that's that's a hard thing to do and I, and and I think it's one of the themes I've watched over the last probably 6 8 years is watching the teams that build like you said they build the platform they build the foundation long before they need it like okay, right. we're gonna build this out. It's it's probably a little oversized for now, but soon enough we're gonna need that. So I think that's that's really um, a really helpful piece of information. You threw out some some things I don't even understand, which is a lot of what you said. But it was about <laughs> adoptions and lease accounting rules and things that change. Yes. Can you can you break down for us what's happened in the industry and what all that means? Yes. So it's probably the biggest thing to happen in lease accounting in 20 years. (laughs) Uh, So what's happening is right under historic legacy gap, ASC 840, operating leases, which is the majority of leases, did not have to be on the balance sheet. And instead, they were kind of tucked away in the notes and disclosures of financial statements. And so financial statement users just could not get a good grasp of what companies' true uh, liabilities were and their true financial obligations. And so with that, AC842 came to light and said, no, 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 everything has to come on the balance sheet so that everyone can understand the true financial obligations of companies. You know, it makes a ton of sense because most 
of the time, you know, real estate is the second largest expense for companies, only second to payroll most of the time. And so, of course, you're going to want to have more insight into that. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you're saying that from the uh, from the tenant perspective, like their lease has to be on their balance. Yeah. Because that yep. So up. from the tenant perspective, yeah. Because now it's going to come in as a right of use asset versus maybe the landlord probably owns that. So it's probably just a fixed asset for them. So you just being able to utilize the space for five, 10 years, whatever your lease term is, hey, that has to come on the balance sheet. But also your remaining lease payments also have to come on the balance sheet in the form of a liability. Right. Yeah. Just like, I guess, just like a, um, just like a loan would. I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a loan. Very, very similar. Yeah. This is an outstanding obligation and it's due every month, just like a loan payment. Due every month. Yeah. So it was just this kind of crazy loophole that existed in the financial statements for such a long time. And so they'd been talking about it for you just kind of like, when is this going to go into effect? And so I think ultimately it's for the better. Was the advantage in not disclosing that just making financial statements look better? Or what was what was the reason? Yeah, so the advantage was just pure. I mean, it does look better from a balance sheet perspective, but I think it was also just process-wise, if finance teams could actually do the necessarily work in order to get what that right of use asset and the lease liability balance would be. Because really they have to create amortization schedules very similar to like a loan amortization, like even just a mortgage loan. They have to do that for every single lease that they have. You know, that's a lot of work for teams uh, to pressurize teams into doing. And actually this was supposed to be in effect for private companies in 2020. And they said, you know what, you guys are going through enough. We're going to delay it until 2022. And so there has been some reprieve because they know how much of a process change this is. Right, right. That is that's really interesting. Absolutely interesting. Tell me, uh, tell me this. What are some problems that you see that that people are or mistakes that you see people making on the lease side that you could say? or either either as a tenant or on the uh, landlord side that you'd say, hey, man, these are some really avoidable problems. Uh, and and maybe, maybe, you, maybe you guys solve them, maybe you don't. But what are some things you see on that side that you'd say there's some mistakes we could very easily avoid? Yeah, I think it's just not having clear access to the data points within your lease schedule. So for instance, I think it came out pretty recently that Gap had missed, Gap the clothing company had missed one of their critical dates. And had they have had this elevated in a software that's telling them, alerting them, like ours is six months in advance, hey, you have a critical date, you have to you have to do something with that, right? Having everything in a place that's easily digestible can avoid like a lot of a lot of heartache and money and mistakes. Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely great. Cool. I've absolutely enjoyed this. It's been a lot of fun learning about, you know, Occupier, what you guys do, lease administration. I, one of the things I didn't, I guess I'm going back through my notes here, one of the things we didn't really get to talk about much was on the kind of new space development side of things. We've kind of talked a lot about, you know, once the product is in place and once you have tenants in place and how you guys are helping kind of manage that whole side of it. 
but give me a breakdown on the site site development, site acquisition. What are you guys doing on that front? I guess that's that's a part of your business. I don't think I quite understand. Yeah. So what we do is right now that process is usually handled in Google Sheets, Excels, or massive email threads between your <laughs> your broker, your real estate team, your legal team. And so what we do is basically have all of that information within our software product that says, hey, we're trying to open up a new office in St. Louis. Here are the five locations that we're going to tour. Here are the thumbs down, thumbs up for if people liked it when they toured, when the schedule of the tour is, uh, what stage it's in, if it's in legal review, if you've negotiated the contract, what was the original terms of this, contract. And so you can kind of really play out the entire life cycle of just selecting your space. Wow. That is really, really cool. And it sounds like you guys are, I mean, again, if in 18 months, you said 18 months ago, this company was not at a point where you felt like it was somebody you wanted to work alongside. Now you work alongside them. You guys are, you know, rapidly developing a very useful product. It sounds like otherwise you wouldn't be there. What are some things that you look at uh, just on the horizon? You say, Hey, here's Here's some other problems in the industry we haven't yet found a way to solve, but we're actively working on. Yeah, you know, I think the question that's on everyone's minds is how the real estate landscape is going to change as people are trying to do hybrid work or remote first work. And how does real estate play into that? Does that mean now that you have smaller hubs and the cities that most of your employees are in? Or how do you do you have just one major hub and fly people in? And so there's a lot of different question marks on the real estate strategy as it relates to people and you know in companies right now. Interesting. Interesting. And what are your guys' thoughts around that? I mean, is there is there a, a, a way that you see you, you guys kind of plugging into the industry and becoming yeah. problems? You know, I, yeah, I think with this, it really emphasizes even more a need for Occupy just because there's going to be different types of lease schedules and probably even more leases is what the trend that we're seeing is that people are kind of breaking out. If you look at our company, you know, we only have less than 50 people, but we have four leases because now we're all scattered throughout the country. Right. And so you can see that permeate between a lot of other companies as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's That's an interesting comment where you say that you'll see more leases and obviously your case in point is is your own company because you're right keeping track of four different leases across four different building types and sizes and locations and when, what is due. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because people have this notion that, oh, well, leases are going to be gone because no one's going into the office anymore. Well, that's not necessarily true. And you always have retail space as well. And so leases are not going anywhere, unfortunately. Right. No, I, I, I can't, I can't imagine that, but that, that just proves the, uh, yeah, proves the need for what you guys do. I think that's really, really cool, and and love how you're you're thinking ahead there. Again, that you're going to see more leases, not fewer. Uh, so, absolutely awesome, Lauren. Before we sign off here, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our guests? Maybe that I didn't ask, or that you feel like is a really important or valuable piece of Occupy you'd like to share? You know, I think our team is wonderful, and if I would love to get to know anyone that's listening to this, uh, either a demo or just you know, really any anything, an email. So, you know, I'd, 
It was been a pleasure talking to you today, Sam. I think you asked some lovely questions. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks. Now, now, yeah, I'm not sure I believe you, but I thank you nonetheless. Last question here for you, Lauren. If our listeners want to get in touch with you or learn more about you, what is the best way to do that? Yeah, the best way to do that is on LinkedIn, uh, Lauren Barr, or you can email me directly at lauren at occupier.com. Awesome. And if you're looking her for looking for her on LinkedIn, that's Lauren Barr, spelled B-A-H-R. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on today. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much again, Sam. 